Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. A fairly mixed trading day scene on Monday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, as we are broadcasting live at agmarket.net's Farming for Profit, Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. We got a busy show on tap here today. We're going to dive right into things here. Joining us to talk about the markets on Monday and some of the mixed activity we saw, Brian Split with agmarket.net. Brian, good to catch up with you in person, buddy. How's things going? Yeah, Jesse, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You and I have been speaking about the markets for quite some time together, and it's always uh, over a uh, Zoom StreamYard type broadcast, so mm-hmm. it's really great to be able to meet you face-to-face and shake your hand and hang out a little bit together, so glad yeah. you're here. And I'm glad that I could be here as well. And I know you guys have a great turnout for the conference. A ton of awesome information, I think, for the farmers who are in attendance here. Great speaker lineup, of course. You, I know you spoke this morning. Jim McCormick's talked. Bill Biederman, Matt Bennett, uh, Dave Hightower. Drew Lerner with Weather, Brian Burke from John Stewart Associates. So you guys really brought together just a wealth of knowledge here, I think, at a, at a very important time with the markets here as we begin 2023, Brian. Yeah, that was important for us to uh, have a, a dynamic lineup with uh, you know different uh, topics covered, of course, uh, from different perspectives. You had mentioned Brian Burke, and he really brought in um, you know an outlook from more of the commercial perspective, which I think is important for the producer to hear uh, you know of course we get the uh, the outlooks for individual commodities uh, I did a technical analysis live of uh, uh, a number of different markets mm-hmm. and um, I think you know the thing for me that's important to point out about uh, the presentation that I did is that um, you know the broader base of commodities uh, we're trending higher since 2020 when we made lows in COVID, and uh, recently to start 2020, we've we've violated that uptrend. We've taken out support on the uh, on the index of, of commodities, and um, a lot of commodities. And there are some exceptions that have their own special story, but commodities have been trending lower since spring of 2022. Yeah, very good point. And I, I look at this market here today starting off the week i know we got a report later this week that you know we'll see what we get for their numbers wise if it is any surprise that moves the market but overall just feels like not a lot of fresh news this market kind of drifting here watching south american weather but i know beans bean meal especially i'm sure what you're watching on the charts just uh, not a great start to the week, just kind of giving up some of what we've uh, gotten in premium recently, Brian. Right, and you mentioned meal. We did have meal hit uh, 500 a ton and trade above that very briefly on Friday last week. Uh, we actually went up and touched it again last night, and here we reversed to, to trade lower. And 
while we're recording this, we're, we're right on the lows of the day for both soybeans and soy meal. And uh, this is even with a, uh, an outlook uh, on the weather front for the next five to seven days of still a warmer and drier bias in, um, in Argentina and southern Brazil. So, um, you know, and, and that's something you have to pay attention to when the market stops advancing higher, even though uh, the thing that seems to have been pushing it higher is, is still there. That, so that bullish impetus of warm and dry is still in the outlook, but, but we're not making new highs. No. And on the corn side, I know you and I talked about this here i believe last week corn overhead and you know march 690s at overhead resistance and then you think about new crop too around that six dollar mark just doesn't feel like we want to get back to it quite so but corn different from soybeans in a bit of a narrower range it feels like brian it is uh so soybeans have been a little bit more volatile the corn market has been trading uh, more range bound. This would be more consolidative type price action. And um, I, I think one of the things that I laid out when I talked about uh, both old crop and new crop corn is that uh, we do have some shorter term uptrends from some the lows that we made in summertime, but the, the longer term trend on corn uh, is down. And I really laid out what levels we need to get through to the upside to to feel like we are trying to break out to the upside. Uh, the tough thing is what is going to be the the new news to do that. Um, we had a bullish report in January. It definitely took us back up to these resistance levels that you had mentioned, but not enough to push us through those. Uh, so that's a bit of a concern. And I think this market's just trying to tread water here until we get closer to the uh, the acreage intentions and, and even the February outlook for them just to kind of get a sense of what the USDA is thinking for the big picture for this crop year. And I think, too, you mentioned those uh, reports coming up in acreage as well. Uh, that's going to become a very big focus here the next six, eight weeks, I feel like, in our markets, just as we shake out what we're going to see. There's been talk of more wheat acres. What's the corn bean number going to come into as well? Um, that's going to be... I feel like outside of some of the other global factors, that's the biggest U.S. factor, I think, in front of us, Brian. Yeah, and so you mentioned wheat and the increase of winter wheat acres, and I think what that will then uh, inevitably lead to is uh, a higher amount of double crop soybean acres that will follow. And when we look at uh, the intentions for corn, uh, and we'll see where that comes out, but uh, if we see... Uh, a trend line yield. Uh, and whether we realize that yield in the big picture or not, the, the USDA will still print a trend line yield on the May WASDE report. And so if we have a, uh, an increase in corn acres or even just a, you know, a 91 million type of a number with a trend line yield, unless we really see the demand side of the balance sheet recover, uh, which at this point we don't have a reason to, to think that that's going to happen unless prices move lower, uh, you're going to see the balance sheet for corn change in this marketing year. Uh, then you think about the fact that we have a safrina crop that's coming up in Brazil, uh, and, and if we do see La Nina continue to evolve into an El Nino type of an atmosphere, then the expectation would be that Brazil is going to have a, a very good corn crop. Um, and that's after an increase in, in, in soybean acres there. So we're going to see an increase in corn acres as well. I should ask you livestock as well real quick before we um, run out of time here today. This cattle market fairly mixed to start the week, but hogs, just more pressure there. I, I don't know if I could find anything good to say about this hog market, Brian. 
No, you know, it, it looked like after last week's trade, we had gone down in the April contract for Lean Hogs. We uh, tested some major support. Uh, we came off of that support very nicely. We had a, what I thought was a, a decent close to the week. And uh, then we just start today with a, a mildly lower opening, but they just pulled the rug out from under it immediately. And we saw just very aggressive selling. I haven't really heard any news and I can only speculate, but you wonder if some of the uh, thoughts that some of the tensions with China are kind of ramping back up after this whole balloon incident over the weekend and, and late last week. Um, and and maybe, uh, you know, we, we mentioned how soybeans and soybean meal are under pressure today, um, despite a continued uh, forecast here in the short term of, of hot and dry. And so you wonder if maybe that's kind of creeping into, uh, into the hog market, but hogs don't have that weather part to support it. So um, you know, will soybeans eventually, as that forecast changes, have a little bit of catch-up work on some li- some fun liquidation from the long side on China concerns? Appreciate a few minutes of your time here in Nashville, sir, and uh, I know we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Jesse, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. That's Brian Split of AgMarket.net. We'll be back with more on Market Talk right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we recap Monday's market trade action. Plenty of uh, downside pressure in the soy complex and in hogs as well. Some green on the screen in corn and wheat and cattle when it was all said and done. John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing joins us here today. John, good to catch up with you, sir. And, uh, you know, overall, looking at that trade to start the week, uh, we eked out some green on the screen in corn and in KC wheat. But for a time there, it looked like uh, pretty broad pressure across the uh, grain and oilseed commodities on the day Monday, John. Yeah, it was, uh, except for a little bit of buying cards at the end of the day in that corn market, which uh, you know, continues to see some decent strength. You know, it's pretty kind of a negative day overall. You know, talking a little bit of moisture, maybe coming in, helping out the Southern Plains, kind of weighed on the wheat market a little bit in that regard. I've seen soybeans still seeing those Brazilian bushels, as well as some of the demand move, you know, probably from the United States to Brazil. Keep hearing chatter of them buying Brazilian beans or China buying Brazilian beans, you know, coming into play. You know, so it's a little encouraging. At least see the corn market still kind of dig its heels in here today and hold its ground. Uh, but uh, again, it's just a very choppy market in a quiet time and, and feels just like things could be a little bit of a slippery slope here unless we get some news, you know, one way or another. Well, and thinking of news, just that was too a lack of fresh news to really start off the week. Uh, obviously, we're watching the South America weather picture. We continue to watch that. Um, I wonder as well, though, dollar up a little bit. I wonder if that maybe exhibited some of the downside pressure on the day with a lack of fundamental news to trade on. Yeah, you know, in that soybean market, there's just a couple things going. Just like I said, again, hearing talk over the weekend that China was an active buyer of Brazilian beans here for February, March window. You know, that's about the third or fourth time I've seen that type of news story come out. Uh, again, just showing us that our export window may be closing. Now, we did have a good week of export shipments at 1.8 million metric tons. You know, we need to see those numbers. So that'll put a little pressure maybe on the USDA to put those demand bushels back on the pile on the report here coming up this week. So we'll have to watch that. You know, but at the same time, we're still trading about 70 cents or so, maybe above the Brazilian price in terms of per bushel price for March. And that's just going to keep things fairly limited here. 
you know, even though the cash market, the domestic side is still fairly strong. And I know talking to a few elevators and they're, they're a little concerned where things could be come September and August, you know, when we run out of the fresh, the, you know, supplies here in the United States and the, and the commercials are holding it all. So there's still just a bunch of different, you know, stories paint point in different directions. I think at least in the B market at the front end, you know, watching what's going on with soybean meal, getting a little toppy there. A lot of length in that market and the managed money side. You know, if we get kind of past that news story that the B market could be susceptible to some more pressure here, especially as we see those South American bushels come in. Well, you mentioned bean meal. I mean, I know we uh, touched $500 a ton again and quickly uh, faded off of that. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot of talk as well here, you know, at different conferences and whatnot recent weeks about, uh, you know, looking at this meal market, renewable diesel crush, but it's something that's a couple of years down the road. You and I've talked about this as well. So to your point about the meal market, maybe getting a little toppy. I, I think I'm leaning with you on that one. That's going to be a precarious market to watch in this overall soy complex picture, John. Very much so. You know, again, you start talking those historical numbers, $500. It's a big psychological level. Just seems to want to bring the sellers out. You know, that's going to move meal from multiple locations, even though Argentina is struggling in their meals export numbers. You know, that fires up the Brazilian market a little bit more. It brings a little bit more out of our side. With our increased crush, we got supplies here. You know, so again, it's just it gets to a point where does that become the price that just kind of finally tops this market out? You know, obviously we get through it, that could kick in another whole round of buying and support this bean market more. But you know, at least right now with the way the money flows, the way that chart looks, the other thing I watch in the bean market too, look at the spreads. You know what's happening, old crop versus new crop, those spreads in terms of both meal as well as the bean market have really taken off here in the last two months. So they're probably getting a little bit top heavy and stretched out here. Then possibly that we need this market to come back down, at least bring a little, little bit of parity back into those spreads even. Now, in the mm-hmm. corn market, John, I look at, uh, you know, eking out a positive day Monday, still that overhead 690 and that new crop, that $6 mark, just feels like we're going to be chopping in this range for a while. I don't see anything fundamentally ahead of us here. I know there's a report on uh, Wednesday, USDA report, but I don't see anything fundamentally with that either that could really move this, uh, this corn market one way or another. I think it's just going to keep us kind of range bound for the foreseeable future, John. Uh, very much so. It's right now. It's a battle of two different weight directions pulling. First off, you've got the cash market that's strong. You got the basis levels in the western uh, side of the Corn Belt, uh, very aggressive, looking for supplies. And there's also good strength and basis on the eastern side of the Corn Belt as well. You know, when you get out towards the east coast, and then they're trying to pull supplies out of the, the richer areas. I got them in terms of production, which is the core of the Midwest. You know, so that keeps this market supported. Anytime we seem to fall back, that seems to bring some end user buying in. Then on the flip side, we're so worried about demand to make sure things move. Now, we even got a couple corn sales reported again today. You know, but again, Mexico and Japan buying corn is not going to excite this market because we expect those sales. We need to see that Chinese business, I think, if you want to get some you know upside movement. You know, some things to really kind of keep an eye on going forward, especially with that cash market the way it is. You know, South American supplies are there. There's some bushels coming on board in, you know, in terms of that first crop corn in, in Brazil. 
does that find a way to American shores? You know, that's something we got to keep a watch out for, especially when you go look at what's happening on the East Coast in terms of basis. It might be cheaper for them to pull a boat up from Brazil and fill some of those needs, and especially in North Carolina, things of that nature. You know, nothing out there confirmed yet or anything, but that's one of those little headline pieces that could come in and really hurt a market if we see something like that. You know, because that just also gets us to a point where we have what called equilibrium and prices can move around. You know, again, we're still a little more expensive compared to the rest of the world in terms of our prices at this time frame and that's still going to just keep things limited on the export front will the usda address that next uh, this week on the on the report is a good question we'll have to see probably not in february probably kick the can down the road a little bit here since the export window is kind of opening up and we're getting some sales and some decent movement but it's still definitely when we're talking 40 some percent below last year's level that's a bit of a concerning point going forward that if we can't get this corn to move and we actually even turn to some possible imports John, hog market Monday, rough day there. I've been trying to find some sort of an answer to why we had a huge drop in hogs outside of the front month February contract, which I know is kind of converging to cash here as we near the end of that contract. So your thoughts, hogs, if you found anything concrete to uh, see the uh, big down move on Monday. No, I really didn't see anything in terms of like the base fundamentals on the day. Obviously, cash trade continues to be the big laggard here. Midwest direct cash in the midday was around $71. Again, a down slightly from where we were on Friday's Friday's closes. And that may be still the biggest factor here. You're looking at getting close to February expiration. That's on you know Valentine's Day on the 14th, 15th area. Again, we're still talking about a you know, $10 plus premium of the index to that April contract, or excuse me, flip that around, the April contract to the index. And this market just might be feeling we need to pull the two together. And uh, so that's still probably some of the biggest factor. Throw in the fact we broke to a new near-term low today, got bring, you know, kind of caught some people, maybe some people thinking this thing was going to go long, got caught on the wrong side. So we saw some technical washout. The funds continue to push this market lower. Now, commitment of traders didn't come out Friday due to some technical issues, so we'll see when that comes out. But the prior week report, the funds actually went short the hog market, which typically they don't do very long or very often, but you know, in this case, they've got the reason to. You know, retail values were pretty doggone good today. Maybe nobody believed the fact that we were up $8 on carcasses today and a big jump in the pork belly side. Who knows, maybe that flipped over at the end of the day. So that'll be kind of a key that we need to see. But right now it's a hog market that just can't seem to get out of its way. I think the fact that just the market failed to really run out, you know, when it had a chance to here last week, may have just brought the sellers back in to say this: the better path in this market could still be lower. And John, in the cattle market as well, before we wrap it up today, a fairly decent day of cattle on Monday. I know still plenty of optimism out there in this cattle trade. Anything you're seeing there as we started off the week? You know, the cash trade was really choppy last week. Really didn't get a whole lot put together, but we did see some northern dress trade come in a little bit higher at the end of the week after the market closed on Friday. So maybe there's some anticipation. Cattle market's a little short bought that they'll bid into the market again this week. You know, talking to some of the producers out there again, some of the bids are there for them again. So that maybe we'll see some higher cash trade. Feeders just continue to reflect that tight supply. You know, between the two, the feeder market, and when you look at the historical values, they got more room to go yet than the live cattle does. Uh, overall. So that's still going to keep some bid in that market, especially with the corn market just really not doing anything. It kind of helps the feeder guys make those decisions and what they can pay and use and go for the long run. A little interesting fact, though, today, back in, uh, in January 2014, April cattle hit 171.10 as the all-time high. 
April 24 cattle today clips that market 172 and change. You know, so that just tells us where we are in this market here and watch around the Valentine's Day. That's a historical window. We kind of see some things peak out. So producers just want to make sure you keep some safety valve puts underneath this market. Yes, with the outside impacts of recession talk, things of that nature, this cattle market is going to get is getting pretty long in the tooth in terms of the money flow. It makes me a little nervous here that we can see some type of correction, even if it isn't merited based on the fundamentals. Well, again, folks can learn more totalfarmmarketing.com. And with that, John Heinberg, Total Farm Marketing, thanks for joining us here today. We appreciate it. Have a great week. Sounds great. Have a good week. All right, coming up next, we'll continue our live coverage here at agmarket.net's conference in Nashville. Dave Hightower with the Hightower Report. He joins us on the way after the break, back with more Market Talk right after this. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here during the agmarket.net Farming for Profit, not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Pleased to have with us Dave Hightower, president of the Hightower Report. Dave, great to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Good to be here. Thanks for the time, and I appreciate uh, you being here to talk about what's going on in the markets. And I think, just for starters, Let's take a look at this market as a whole, the ag commodities, grain, livestock, et cetera. Probably start on the grain side. Plenty of volatility we've seen the last couple of years. There's been so much going on in this trade. Obviously, we're kind of in a quiet period, it feels like, right now, the last couple of weeks here. South American weather, a big focus. We're getting ready for spring planting in the U.S. But as you step back, 1,000-foot view of this grain market here, just to start our conversation... What are you seeing here? It feels like the volatility has taken a little bit of a break, but it's still there underlying, it feels like. Right, and we had a lot of uh, premium mm-hmm. in prices because of Ukraine. Yep. A little bit more because of uh, the uncertainty with the crop in South America. And so that's declining a little bit. We're, we're, we're beginning to know a little bit more what's going to come out. So we're removing the extremes. Mm-hmm. And Ukraine's going to be a wild card, um, but if you look at a uh, map of uh, the Ukraine and look where the large producing areas of uh, corn and wheat are, they're actually behind the lines of where Russia's at. Now, the people there, the farmers are tight on money. Uh, they, the uncertainty of being ruined, and maybe they're ruined already. Uh, but I think you're going to see uh, the United Nations and other countries, just as they're given military aid, they'll probably get those farmers uh, some money out into loan or whatever. So it really comes down to uh, that's going to be a volatility event when mm-hmm. we start getting around to that next, uh, and it's wheat and corn. Um, I mean, the wheat market last year was very volatile as a result of that. I don't think we're going into a recession. 
Um, I think the, the non-farm payroll showed you. And we also had, um, I think the initial claims have been, if you look at them on a chart, they've been breaking out down. Mm -hmm. uh, the unemployment rate doesn't mean a lot uh, because if you go through the Social Security benefits and uh, retirement benefits and so forth, there's a gap in there that these people, if they make a little bit more money, they're just working for nothing. And so that catches a large percentage. And people have always been wondering, how do they not work? How come they're not going back to work? Well, now some of them are going back to work mm -hmm. with the wages getting a little higher. So the, I think the economy's doing good. But for the farmers, I think one of the more important things is that the value of the dollar which had a huge amount of uncertainty premium in it, is now, once these things start on a downtrend, they, they have a history of continuing down. And uh, so our competition in the export market uh, could go up a little bit. And I know relations with China are very bad, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't care where they buy it. We just want them to buy it. Because if they take it out of South America, it lowers the beans for everyone else or the corn for everyone else. And we're going to come back into that profitability. Um, they've got a windfall from natural gas. Uh, I don't know if the fertilizer guys are going to pull down their prices. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's, uh, it, the macros are going to uh, continue to have a huge impact. Uh, volatility is not going to go away. Our producers are the best in the world our technology keeps getting better and it keeps spreading to all corners of the earth. So our productive capacity, uh, unless we have weather events, you have to say that the probability is it's gonna be strong production. And so that's gonna inherently breed volatility and the costs are not gonna come down. As you'll see, uh, maybe the fertilizer costs will come down. Yeah. Um, you know, all these other byproducts of that, but do you think uh, commensurately as much as they went up? I doubt it. Well, you know. I think for our farmers as well, you, you mentioned a lot of great things there, but just to your last point, costs are going to come down. I mean, we're getting ready to plant the you know, most expensive crop we've ever planted here in the U.S. So you think about those input costs and looking at a farmer's bottom line and looking at the volatility. I know it, it feels like this is a year more so than ever that farmers got to be really sharp with their pencil with their marketing here this year. You know, over my 30 eight-year career, I've probably been bullish a lot more time than I've been bearish. And my uh, presentation today will have a two monthly charts, one of corn, one of beans, showing you where you're at in terms of history, and then very basically saying, and where are your costs relative to that? Um, and the biggest likelihood is that grain prices will go down, but the costs won't. So to me, that's, uh, you know, I'm not bearish to, to see prices fall precipitously, but we do know how when they start to fall, they tend to go further and overreact. You mentioned a little bit as well about Ukraine and some of those outside factors that have led to volatility. And I'm glad you brought that up because it feels like the Ukraine story has kind of taken a backseat in the news cycle the last few months. But we can't forget the fact that there's still a war going on. You know, tensions are still there. We're seeing Western countries get more involved, sending tanks, et cetera. And as you mentioned, some of the, that acreage is behind enemy lines at this point. So it's... No, I'm, I hate to correct you, but it's not. Oh. The majority okay. of it is not. But, okay, yeah. But we did not know any visibility of what we were going to get last year. Yes, and yes. So now those farmers in the financial condition 
is a lot worse this mm-hmm. year. But I'm just making the point that they can get to the land mm-hmm. um, with a lot less danger than last year. But what what's their financial condition? It's what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. And were they uh, in a good enough financial position to go out and put the money forward on something that they may not have got everything harvested from? It's very, and thank you for correcting me on that. It's, it's one of those things that, to me, when I look at it and I talk with folks on a day-to-day basis, it's just it's another piece of that news cycle that it's there and it's it can move these markets on a dime, one news headline to the next. It feels like we've gotten very headline-driven the last couple of years. Well, and and when you look at the amount of uh, net tonnage or bushels that we're yes. going to have, they're so large. We could go into the Ukraine growing window. The information that we get has such a low probability of being accurate when it's at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it is impacting such a large amount of physical product that the prices are going to swing and, and maybe swing several times in a direction that they're ultimately not going to be going. Very so. true. Well, and as well, I'll segue to the economy a little bit more. You mentioned you, you talked about the recession possibilities or not out there. You know, there's so much surrounding the economy and the dollar. And you mentioned China in there, too. And obviously, we hear the news items about China and we see how much grain China supposedly has in storage, you know, compared to the world carryout. It feels like that's going to be a big story this year is our relations with China and in turn exports to China, competition with South America, so many things wrapped up in the economy as a whole and how it impacts the ag side of the equation, Dave. Well, I trained some of the very first Chinese government uh, grain traders. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been to about 20 cities in China, uh, given a lot of speeches there, interact with a lot of people. I I read the five-year plan that they come out with. They, uh, in this mix uh, with the supply chain issues, they came out and issued a major rule, and that is they have to have buffer stocks of everything. The biggest paranoia in China by the government and anyone that's in business has been told by the government, we cannot afford to have people not eating or to have pork so expensive they can't eat because you got a billion 400 million and that kind of unrest which you saw by the lockdown protests let's fast forward they they opened up the gates they Mm -hmm. basically went out and let everyone get exposed they even went through with their uh, annual holiday which is the biggest migration of humankind that occurs 300 million people Uh, and if they're gonna they brought the uh, virus into the small areas where the farmers are uh, and so they're going to have a period of uh, a lack of uh, risk because they're going to have some immunity for a while mm-hmm. and it's going to be a large portion of their economy. And so, you know, I watch things like the traffic congestion, uh, the amount of it's, energy is a good sign of what they're consuming. Um, and so I'm, I'm fairly upbeat on the Chinese economy. A lot of people are like, oh, they're dead. As, they, they have as much uh, foreign currency gold and foreign land uh as we owe you know 30 trillion dollars mm-hmm. we know what we uh, we don't know for sure but what they've admitted to in terms of gold and other things and and you know what they can just tell the people that's it we're not paying any more this month if they had to 
30 seconds here. If you had one thing to say to the American farmers sitting in rural Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, et cetera, right now as they're looking at this year and thinking about their marketing, what would you tell them, Dave? Uh, they've got to buy, put some money in puts. I mean, uh, it's a way that gives you confidence to stay on your cash position if you want to. And uh, I, I know some positions that aren't exactly uh, simple, uh, but there are ways to get uh, exponentially more than uh, what you're losing on your cash by the purchase of puts. Um, and, and so we don't know when stuff's going to happen, but to have that safety net in place at all times, I think is very important, especially when you have that combination of you got some good profit here, but the costs aren't going to go down, but the price could. So go to Las Vegas and gamble, but don't, uh, <laughs> don't do it on your crop. So that is great. There are, years, there are yeah. years to let it run. And, uh, maybe the Ukraine situation will cause a big bulge, but if you have puts on, you're not going to get in the way of your cash. So great that's thoughts. my advice. Yeah. Great thoughts to consider. Dave Hightower, president of the Hightower Report. Appreciate your time here in Nashville. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, I look forward to hopefully getting to talk to you again in the future. Good to be here. I hope it helps somebody. Up next, we'll wrap up the show. We'll talk weather with Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient. and back with more Market Talk on the way right after this. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we talk about the weather situation here for the week ahead, Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient is with us. And Eric, good to catch up with you, buddy. And I know a uh, fairly quiet weekend after a rough week last week, uh, watching Chinese spy balloons uh, fly through the sky and, uh, and everything else. It was an interesting week uh, meteorologically last week and now starting this week here, Eric. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you step back and look at last week and, of course, in the middle of the week, actually the beginning to the middle of the week, we saw what will likely be our second billion dollar weather disaster of 2023. The first one being the flooding in in California, this one being this ice storm from Texas through parts of the Mid-South. And I'm thankful for the warmer weather so the cleanup efforts can happen down there. But don't forget, the southern side of that also produced a tremendous amount of heavy rain. There's still a lot of flooding throughout most of the river systems in the lower Mississippi River Valley and into the southeast because of that. Now, uh, yeah, this weekend, uh, it was it was quiet most places. And that's actually critical for that whole Chinese spy balloon. But one place that it wasn't quiet was in uh, New England. So Mount Washington, which is in New Hampshire, uh, the, the, the temperatures uh, at the top of that summit, which is about, I think it's about 6,800 feet, uh, dropped down to wind chills of a minus, minus 108 degrees Fahrenheit on 120 mile an hour winds. And they actually have an observatory up there where people work. Can you imagine like that's <laughs> that's the conditions outside? But here's the thing, okay, so I, I went back last week on Friday and I traced mm-hmm. back where that balloon came from. And sure enough, you can use one of NOAA's models to see kind of where it came from. And certainly the trajectories go back to, to China. But if you notice something unique about it, when it came across the country, uh, it mm-hmm. did so uh, during high pressure, which means if it was looking down and taking pictures and whatnot, it was perfectly timed for high pressure and clear skies. Did you notice every single picture you saw of the balloon was blue background in it, blue skies? <laughs> Just, I don't know. I looked at that and I'm like, well, they nailed it. If, if they were spying on us, they picked the right time because there was plenty of, uh, plenty of, of, of clear skies, but I don't know what they were interested in. They just basically traced out the Missouri Valley and then went to South Carolina. So who knows? We'll find out in the coming days, but yeah, last week was crazy. 
Yeah, last week was crazy. Let's take a look at this week ahead. It feels like, from what I see, fairly quiet weather map in the U.S., giving us a chance, as you said, for some of those cleanup efforts and more. What do you see for the week ahead, Eric? Well, there is a system I'm watching midweek. we got a week one coming through early this week. It's mainly in Canada, but the tail end of that's going to kick off what we call in atmospheric sciences a panhandle hooker. Uh, it gets the name because they hook south out of the panhandles, and they tend to go from the panhandle of Oklahoma and Texas, the Red River Valley of the south, straight through the Great Lakes. So that's one system we're going to watch, dumping a bunch of rain, possibly, and some snow on the backside in the Midwest this week. And there's another one that's going to follow it a few days after that. Now, the big picture with all of this is we need a whole lot more precipitation over the Corn Belt. I know that winter's been okay and there's some snowpack, but I've, I've, I can't seem to stop thinking about the fact that last fall's drought has still got subsurface soil moisture so low. Now, we know that winter does not often correct a drought, which means spring rains are going to be critical. So I like to see this, this type of setup lasting for a while just to completely recover that soil moisture profile. But it's gonna be mild, that's the other part of this. It's gonna be mild through probably the middle, maybe even the start of the third week of February before the pattern starts to shift around. So very mild conditions and wet in parts of the country. Still dry in California though, they're gonna to have to wait till the end of the month before they get a bit of a chance for a better precip there. Eric, I know as well, La Nina, more evidence it appears that La Nina is on its last gasp. What are you seeing when it comes to that? Yeah, that's been that was a really important part of the weekend as well. We have new model data that came out on Sunday from the European model. They're always first to get it out. And uh, what it suggested was that this this fade we've seen is going to continue. We're now starting to see the trade winds back off. I haven't seen that, to be honest with you. Uh, three years. It's been three years since I've seen the trade winds let go like this. So that's going to be important. And uh, overall, that lowers a lot of drought risk for much of the country if La, the La Nina fading is, is, is really going to be on this timing that the models are suggesting. But there's another component to this. If we fade La Nina, that does tend to build a lot of heat west in the United States going into summer. So there's a lot of folks out there that are desperate for more snow between now and then to kind of survive the heat they could get later on this summer. And lastly, South American weather, obviously keeping our eyes on the drought concerns at Argentina, Brazil, some delays with harvest and safrina planting with rain there. What's the latest you're seeing with South American weather, Eric? You know, I am wondering when we're going to hear about the problems with all that rain, because, I mean, there are some places in central Brazil that have received, you know, 15 to 20 inches of rain in the last two to three weeks. And at some point, I mean, even with their soil, you can't get rid of all of that. And there's going to be some issues. And I, we're just not hearing about them yet. Um, but in Argentina, it's another hot and dry week. They're looking at uh, high temperatures a few days this week, easily going over 40 degrees Celsius. That's about 104 Fahrenheit. But everyone's watching the weekend and early next week because the models just want to toss storms back in. So that would kind of limit the damage done by this uh, heat, this you know heat wave coming through. So still a bit of a wild card with Argentina delays your ride in, in Brazil, but so much rain. I, I just I wonder when we're going to see the opposite end of the spectrum, right, uh, impacting yield where we get past that maximum or optimal range. So we'll watch it closely. Well, Eric, we appreciate the time. As always, you can sign up for his daily weather newsletter on our website, marketalkag.com. Eric, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, you too.
And again, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrien joining us here with a look at weather on today's show. Again, as we broadcast live at agmarket.net's Farming for Profit Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Had a busy show here today, and we're going to have a busy show again tomorrow as we are going to have a, a few different folks here join us. Jim McCormick with agmarket.net. He will be on the program tomorrow. Robin Schmall with Ag Dairy, agmarket.net, Dairy Division of JSA, going to join us to talk about the dairy market. Brian Burke, the president of John Stewart and Associates, JSA. He's going to join us as well, coming up here on the show tomorrow. And we'll also be joined tomorrow on the program by Tyler Shaw of agmarket.net. So a very busy program on tap tomorrow. Make sure you join us here on Market Talk. A few of the closes real quick from Monday. Corn for March up one and a half, 679. March beans down 10 to three quarters, 1521 to the quarter. March Chicago wheat Six and a half lower, 750 at a quarter. March KC wheat up 3,876. March spring wheat down four at 917 and a half. Feb hogs up to 7505. Feeder cattle march up 160, 187.70. And February live cattle up 55, 160, 82. Let's go do it for Market Talk today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next.